Greetings and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, coming at you live from the Wingate by Wyndham and Hurricane. Larry's on vacation. Uh, he is enjoying his time down at Gulf Shores. And uh, so I had to scramble around and find myself a guest. Um, I, it's with great sadness that I report that the bars closed on Sunday night. So this podcast ain't going to be near as much fun as they usually are when we're down here. I, uh, I was trying to think of somebody to join me. And uh, I thought, well, I've got a good agent here in town that uh, a lot of people are familiar with at Landstar. And he lives right here local. So um, I decided I'd bring Scott on here. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in both the history uh, because they've been around since before there was a Landstar. Um, so they've got a rich history in the industry and with Landstar. Um, and then we can you know, talk about what it's like to, to be an agent. Uh, I'm sure we'll get some good stories out of there. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Scott Davis on here. Welcome, Scott. Thank you for being here. Good evening. Thank you very much, Chris. <clears throat> so Scott and Debbie came to our live event in July. Um, and uh, uh, against her will, I got Debbie to come up and get in front of everybody and talk a little bit. Um, so you guys are brother and sister. Your mom and dad started this agency. So let's go, let's get into the history a little bit. Um, <clears throat> did they start before deregulation? Yes. So what, what would that, what, what would time frame? what would the, about what year would that have been? Uh, like 81, 82, because deregulation was. It was 83. 83. Yeah. Yeah. Motor Carrier Act was 1980. So I don't know. Did it take a couple of years to come into effect? Maybe I know he signed it in 1980. Correct. Yeah. It took a few years. Uh, Cause I know in the beginning with, uh, we were actually originally a Gemini agent before Ranger bought Gemini out. Um, and prior to the deregulation, you had to haul freight out of the state that you were based in. So really? if I had a customer that had operations in Ohio and West Virginia, I couldn't touch the Ohio freight. Had to be West Virginia only. Really? So, I mean, it's kind of a crude example, but I've, I've tried to get people to understand that, that Smokey and the Bandit was kind of a movie about how that regulation worked you know the the course beer couldn't go this far and you know and and i don't think people understand that there's a lot of businesses that couldn't exist today if we were still in that regulated market um so the landstar um gathering together was that what 87 88 yes so Gemini was what? I mean, would you, would you call that a, a brokerage or a – what was that? No, Gemini was the original uh, owner-operator-based company. Uh, it was a group of about 10 to 12 agents doing a little over $100 million of business. And mm -hmm. uh, Ranger, Ryder, and PIE was one company, uh, three, three divisions, but under one umbrella. And the three split from each other, and Ranger was about ready to fold and did a bold move and bought Gemini and copied our operating system. Hmm. At the time, uh, it was 80% of 100, and all accessorials, no matter what they were, went 100% to the truck. Okay. And, uh, of course, over the years, that, that 
policy per se had changed, you know, with Landstar, you know, taking a bigger percentage. <clears throat> but uh, originally, you know, there was just Ranger, and then uh, they made the acquisitions of uh, Legan, Enway, Pool, and way back when there was even a company called TLC, which was a reefer division. Hmm. Um, we operated together, but against each other at the same turn. Uh, in the very beginning, we couldn't use a, a Legan truck on a Ranger load. Hmm. It had to be on your own. And then once they brought in Jeff Crow, you know, he, he, he done some great things and, uh, you know, brought the, the company together under one umbrella as a whole in the end. But, uh, it was a slow process, you know, year after year, we could open up and start to, uh, use Legan trucks on, you know, cause back then they were a big flatbed carrier. Hmm. Um, you know, we could, uh, start using the other carriers trucks and then the agents started working better with each other instead of in competition for the same customer. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a big thing is, you know, you'd have a customer come to you and say, well, why is such and such with Legan, which is part of your company, giving me a better price than you are for the same lane. Mm. So, uh, Jeff seen that, you know, and, and, you know, we had to make the corrections because you couldn't have two separate entities of the same company soliciting, you know, freight from the same customer and, and have a different price point. So from, I, I guess, take me back to that 81, 82, 83 time when we don't have the modern technology that we do. We don't have the communication system. So how are you finding trucks? You're only able at that point. Are you still at that point only able to pull loads out of West Virginia? Correct. At that time, yeah, it was still uh, before prior to deregulation. Yeah, you could only pull out of the state you were based in. So after deregulation, 81, 82, 83, <clears throat> you, can you start soliciting other customers, but you're still Gemini slash Ranger? Correct. And how, but how did you, so you found your customers, I'm guessing knocking on doors. Um, uh, no, getting in the car and yeah, cold calls set up, uh, you know, you could do some sales on the phone and then you would go and do an actual in-person sales call with, with customers. Uh, you'd take them, wine them, dine them, <laughs> uh, you know, the old school way. Yeah. Uh, and then how do you find the trucks? Big thing with uh, finding the drivers was uh, at the time we were based in a truck stop here at uh, exit 39 on I-64 at the Winfield exit. Mm -hmm. uh, there used to be a Chevron truck stop and uh, prior to the TA, it was a 76 West. And uh, luckily we were based right there and you would just drive back and forth between the two uh, truck stops, talk to drivers in the truck stop and knock on doors. Hey, do you need a load? You empty? You know, wow. uh, I can remember my mom and my sister, uh, you know, going and knocking on doors, you know, you, you'd think, uh, <laughs> other things, you know, yeah. something yeah. to do with lizards, but, uh, yeah, I, but, I can't, uh, I but, can't imagine, you know, I, I, I know getting my door knocked on is not a pleasant experience. Right. Cause way back then, you know, we, <clears throat> we used to deal with a uh, union carbide, and, uh, Shell Chemical, you know, which was a big customer of ours at the time. And, 
you know, when they would call call in freight, and that was what my mother was famous for, she would never turn down a load, no matter what it was. Mm. They'd say, hey, we got, you know, 10 Southern California loads. I'll take them, you know. And then we had to find trucks for them. Wow. And just do whatever it takes. When when did, because uh, I remember, I, st I started in 97, and I remembered the, was it Dollar Truck? Dollar Dalla, Dalla Load? Dalla, oh, DAT. Well, they had the the TV on the wall yep. that would have the the loads with the phone number. When when did that start? Wow, um, probably about ninety two to ninety five, somewhere right in that range. Yeah, the uh, the electronic boards in the truck stops. You know, you had uh, dial a truck, which was a big one in the in the beginning. Transcore, uh, and then of course it progressed into internet truck stop like today mm -hmm. um you know and of course there's a there's a few others but uh <clears throat> those helped a lot um after deregulation when you started getting freight you know further and further away from home you know mm -hmm. um so as the technology increased so you're already so by the early 90s you're already at landstar did Landstar Online kind of when when did they bring that in to where you kind of had that central uh, place for agents and BCOs to meet? Mm, that was the latter part of the nineties. So up until that point, what did they what did they just have a book or something to call agents and, and yes. say I'll be in your that area? Do you have something? Back in the day, they used to make this. Uh, it was probably two and a half, three inches thick, a little book that would fit in your shirt pocket. And you would have, starting in an alphabetical order, all the agents' codes, which back then, all the agents' codes matched where they were based at. You know, like I've still got one of the old original codes, CHW matches Charleston, West Virginia, uh, PIT, Pittsburgh, uh, okay. LKY, Louisville. You know, so a lot of your three-digit agency codes was based off of where you were based out of. Um, today, of course, it's not like that. Now they're using people's initials from their names and stuff. I was talking to uh, Ray Armento one day, uh, Y-A-R. I booked a bunch of loads with him, right? And it just hit me, and I went, hey, is your agency code Y-A-R because it's Ray spelled backwards? And he was like, very good. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's I booked a, a ton of loads with him, and I'm there. I, want, well, I wonder what YAR. Oh, it's Ray backwards. Okay. I always wanted to have an agency with like WTF or GFY, you know, just something to get everybody thinking. Um, well, there's one that's LOL. I've never seen that one. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, you know, we we have we don't have a do not haul list. I I have. I have a couple of codes that come up and I'm, mm, you know, but if I can get a freight bill, you know, uh, by the way, Randy Matter has uh, commented, can't believe that you've lowered your standards to be on this podcast. Um, Thanks, Randy. <clears throat> but, uh, <clears throat> you know, Randy and I were talking about this one day. There's there's a, an agent that we've been burned by a couple of times and we swore, I'll never haul another one. But then you get in that area. And there it is, and it's and it's big money. It's like oh, hell. Here we go. Call it and book it, you know, and and wish for the best. 
Um, but you know, I can't, I got just this tiniest taste in 97 because the carrier that I, the very first carrier I worked for didn't have Qualcomm. So there was no communication in the truck. Um, I would call a phone number from a payphone and be like, you know, check in. They're like, we don't have anything. Call back in two hours. And so I'd go sit in my truck and do nothing for two hours and go back in. And all right, we got you loaded. And I had a notebook and had to write down every little detail about the load and then go pick it up. And, and, and if you got there, you got there. They had no idea where I was. Hell, most of the time I didn't know where I was. Mm-hmm. You know, and they got a Qualcomm like right at the end. And then I went to work for Warner and it was a whole different, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, instant communication with the truck and, and, and tracking. And, and it was a completely different experience. So I, I can't imagine, and I, I would love sometimes to take GPSs and cell phones away from some people just because I'm so sick and tired of what well, my GPS said, well, you, well, you'd follow that damn thing to the bottom of the river and then wonder why you're wet. Exactly. You know? um, <clears throat> It's, uh, it's, it's insane. So we get into the nineties. We're kind of having a technological revolution. Um, I got my first national cell phone in 99 where it was like, I think it was a hundred dollars for a thousand minutes with AT&T. And we thought, I mean, it just can't get any better than this. You know, the (laughs) fact that I can, you know, make a quick call. You know, but to not have to stop the truck, find a payphone. I had a reloadable Sam's. My mom had found it at Sam's, and it was like, I don't know, six or eight cents a minute, and you could reload it. And that was life-changing because now I could I could talk to somebody for an hour and not feel like I was going to end up in bankruptcy. Exactly. And 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 so we so we get through the nineties. Um so between where we are now, where we can have a largely electronic conversation without phones. I mean, I'll call you. Um, Larry was at BCO days the other day, and they're trying, they're working on and want to have a book it now option. Uh, Now, I've got a word that starts with cluster that I think that's going to turn into. But, I mean, I, I think the possibilities there that with direct freight, I mean, I could, I could push a button and, and book the load. Of course, we got to have that whole complete and accurate dispatch thing. Some, some people's going to have to get on that train and I don't know that they ever can, you know, that, that I could trust that the posting is accurate and I could push a button and say, okay, book it. I want that load. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you still want the connection with the, with the, with the driver on the phone? to make sure that at, at times, I mean, uh, you know, being an old school style, being raised in this business, old school style. And, you know, my sister and I, we, uh, we don't deal with any three PLs at mm-hmm. all. All of our freight is all direct customer. We are probably losing money because we don't deal with three PLs, but, we had a large customer base, a multitude of customers, and after deregulation and Katrina and the inception of the three PLs, we just about had to shut our office down. Hmm. And a prime example, um, we had a customer not three miles from our office 
that we didn't get him into a contract, but he, he gave us his freight, and he was one to call you up, offer you a lane for X amount of dollars. This is what I have. Would you like to have it? Yes or no? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, prior to me, he had called a 3PL that starts with CH. Mm. And they turned around and called Debbie and offered her the same load for $600 less than what the customer just offered it to me for. Mm. So if she would have accepted the load for a phone call and a fax, they made 600 bucks. Mm. Um, CH isn't always the big cheap carrier that everybody thinks that they are, the reputation. Yeah. yeah, a lot of loads are cheap, but a lot of loads they make money on, and they're just offering out cheap money, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, well, I mean, I haul a, a lot of CH Robinson stuff, yeah. you know, and I, I would, I, I would love to. I need to take the time to have some conversations because there's two or three agent codes that pop up. I know they're 100. percent They don't have any of their own freight, but I know if I call the loads real. You know, they've got, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming they have a relationship with a person at C.H. Robinson that must be an account manager or something. And they're giving us that, that lane and it's good money. And when they put it on the board, it's real, you know, um, a lot of it's hazmat and a lot of it pays really, really well. And so um, I wish I, we need BCOs to understand that if we take the three PLs away, um, we don't need but about a third of the fleet that we do. So I don't know where two-thirds of the 11,000 BCOs are going to go because they're not going to be here, right. you know, because we just don't have enough direct freight to feed everybody. Um, you know, it's um, it's like it is what it is. You, you, I'm, I'm watching over, what is it, 18 trucks now. Um, I'm personally booking for about six of them. So that means I personally am booking somewhere around 40 loads a week. And it's probably 60, 40 direct, um, you know, because my philosophy is to get out as far as I can. Well, I can go get the direct stuff when it hits the board four or five days ahead of time. If I'm looking for a load today, it's going to be nothing but C.H. Robinson. It's going to be cheap, heavy, and it's going to suck. Exactly. But if I can get it far enough ahead, you know, I can book a truck on a week's worth of, of – uh, of direct customer freight, then it's up to the driver whether or not they can actually deliver it or not. Right. And <laughs> whew, that trip planning can be a bitch. <laughs> um, so we get, so, so we're in the nineties, we get into the two thousands. Well, now we've had the, the, we've had uh Y2K and we've had the dot com bust um, in the early two thousands. So as you get through the middle of the 2000s, did you, were you surprised between, say, 2003 and four and now as to what happened, or did, did, did it kind of go the way you thought it was going to go? It was a little surprising. <clears throat> um, the technological advances has been the biggest surprise. Um, the things that you can do now that, you know, back in the day when I, when I think about back in the beginning, you know, we had a two foot long sheet of paper that we had to fill out in triplicate just to bill a truck out. Mm. And that was usually on a typewriter. Wow. Uh, we, we, how did, how, how did fuel money work back then? You know, I'm, we're so spoiled with our fuel cards. How, how did you get, 
how did you get money to the truck for fuel and how did the truck get fuel? I would hand you a com check because a lot of that in the very beginning was all face to face. You had to come to our office, pick up your bills that we typed up for you, and we would hand you a com check to write your own fuel money on. Wow. So was a com check like reusable? Like if it was two thousand dollars, you or could use a little bit like at a time. Well, or? like if I knew you were going to California, I'd give you like five blank com checks. Okay, you didn't have your own book of com checks. You know, you had to get com checks from an agent. Okay, so com data's pretty much been in since the early eighties, I yeah. guess. And then, so once <clears throat> the load, so. What do you give them? Thirty percent of the load, or something? Was that? Uh, yeah, thirty percent. So you give them thirty. So, so let's say, nineteen eighty-two. What is it? Three grand go to California. Four grand, if you're lucky. Okay. So three. So let's say three grand. You're getting nine hundred bucks up front. Mm -hmm. How do you get the rest of the money on another com check? Or, <clears throat> well, as you went across, you would write you know com checks to yourself or. Uh, probably the, the amount of fuel that you purchased at the time. So each check you wrote was just covering every time you filled your tanks up. Okay. Until you used up all your money. But normally back then, you know, fuel was cheap enough. You still had a little bit of fuel money left over. And, and well, that's true. Cause I mean, at well, it was a dollar a gallon when I started. So in the early eighties, it had to have been below what? 25, 50 cents. 50 to 75, somewhere in that range. <laughs> We're paying 55 cents per mile now. Um, okay, so 900 bucks. Yeah, it wouldn't take. Of course, those old trucks didn't get great fuel mileage. So, okay, so so I want to do this. So guy comes into the office. You guys are signing a contract, I guess. To, Correct. To give him the load. You're giving him 30% of the load. Um. I mean, what if he just drives off in sunset with it? Like, I mean, I guess you've got enough idea. I'm just trying to remember, like my dad. I remember my dra my dad's driver's license back in the age didn't have his picture on it. You know, it was so easy to, like, forge that stuff. So was there much theft and loss? And uh, There was a fair amount, but <clears throat> for the most part, you know, most of the guys, you know, that were signed up with the company were, were you know, honest, hardworking guys, you know. Uh, didn't have an issue. Uh, I know back in the beginning, I, I know, I think my dad had, uh, somebody that, like you said, drove off into the sunset with the com checks and wrote himself some money and went about his way and never, never picked up the load. Okay. So I'm trying not to dwell on this, but I found it, I find it fascinating. So let's say you hand somebody five com checks. How are those com checks any good? Like, are you writing down the numbers or? Yeah, they're all recorded. So you're recording the numbers and then they're turning it in. Is the fuel stop, are they reconciling that in real time or are they just taking it as a check and then they're going to turn it in and see if it's any good? Yeah, they would just, on good faith, you know, do the com check system. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, the shorter the run, the less checks you would get. Right. Yeah, because it's a less less amount of fuel that you're going to need. Um, you know, you would get four or five checks to go to California because you're going to fuel up that many times. Okay. Um, you know, from here to Tennessee, you're just going to get one check. Okay. And then, <clears throat> and then the balance is paid 
like you'd get a check from corporate for the rest of it. Yeah, for the remaining portion of the load. And the quicker you mailed it in, the quicker you would get your check. Okay. Yeah, but we're spoiled with that scanning because I I remember oh, yeah. the the trip pack days, and I look back now thinking you just put it in there thinking, well, it's surely it's going to get there. Um, all the bills, all the fuel, every piece of proof of everything that you did, and you're sticking in an envelope, and you're hoping that the plane don't crash or the truck don't burn down. Um, I mean, it's fascinating that that we hauled freight that way for so long, and now I kind of feel like all the technology, all we've done is polish a turd. Like, it's the same turd that it's always been. It's just polished and shiny now and doesn't <laughs> stink near as bad. Uh, but it's still a turd. You know, the way we do this is with all the middlemen and all the people in the middle. Um, it's just, it's insane. It's a, I, I interviewed a guy a few years ago. We were talking about blockchain. And he said, you know, it's a miracle that anything gets done. That if the trucking industry was in charge of delivering a pizza, nobody would ever get a hot pizza. But somehow we managed to move this stuff around. And, and he largely cr credits drivers. Um because the drivers are, are ultimately the ones on the scene that are going to solve the problems, you know? Exactly. Um, okay. So we get through the two thousands and then we're into the teens. So I'm trying to think we had the, we had the bust of 2009. Um, what 14 was challenging. Mm -hmm. Was it 14 or 16? It was 14. Uh, and then we had COVID. Um, we were talking before the show about, you know, the trucker's market, the shipper's market, the trucker's market, you know, this, to me, it just kind of seems like 09, 14 and 20 were, they had different reasons, but they were pretty much the same markets. Do you agree with that? Or do you, or do you set COVID off to the side of something different? No, I agree with that. I, I don't think COVID had that big of a play into it. Yes. We, we lost in the, as a industry whole, there's, there's been a lot of drivers lost, especially guys that are 50 plus years old mm -hmm. um and, we, and also you know you've got guys that are retiring and then with the uh shot mandates and trying to cross border freight you got to have your shots a lot of the older fellas uh that don't believe in it you know said i'm done you know wash their hands and sell their trucks and so a lot of a lot of guys left the industry completely just due to COVID. yeah um how do you think that balances with all of the people? We, we get those every time the market shoots up. Everybody and their brother goes buys a damn truck. Right. Which is where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I expect this quarter is going to clean out a whole bunch of capacity. Between now and, what, February, there's going to be a whole bunch of trucks sitting on the side of the road, backed up to the fence. I'd say between now and July, it's it's – Every, all the data that I'm reading, it's the market's going to stay soft as far as uh, total truckload, rail, intermodal, import, export, everything's going to just stay soft. Now, if we get drug into this Ukrainian war a little heavier, things may, may change. Mm -hmm. But for all the data that I've been reading, we're, we're going to have, you know, the next two and a half quarters or are going to be pretty soft. Well, we've got a midterm coming up. I'm still not sure how that's going to go. You know, um, I, I think there's a lot of people 
that are banking on a, a sea change. I don't, I, I don't, one, I don't think it's going to happen. And two, I think if it did, nothing's going to change. Right. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. You know, I, I think that there are a lot of people that have significant power that they may not realize that will make different decisions based on red and blue and who's, you know, red and blue really don't have that much to do with it. It's the decisions that people make because red or blue or, you know, uh, and I'm like, well, why don't you just go ahead and make your decisions and screw red and blue? But I digress. Um, so it's, it's certainly been a, a fascinating thing to watch. Um, cause I remember 2008, I was driving for Schneider and aero trucking was the first really big one that made the big splash, you know, mm -hmm. and Schneider sent out a message to all of the drivers and said, look, if you find an aero driver, um, we've waived the, the passenger requirements or whatever you're, you're free to pick them up and take them wherever you can take them, you know, and we'll give them some, we'll give them some food money or whatever. Um, I certainly hope that doesn't happen again, but I would not be surprised, especially with as many, um, oh, you call them the venture capital people that get into trucking businesses and basically suck all the blood out of them, run them into the ground and then scatter the, the assets to the wind. So I would not be surprised if, um, excuse me a minute. Sorry. I've got to. My stupid phone started ringing and took out your camera. Um, but uh, if you're if you're driving a company truck right now and your company's owned by a venture capital firm, find something else to do before Christmas because it could get ugly quick. Yes, I agree. And, and the same thing happens with customers too. I've I've, yeah. I've lost customers due to prime example, a very large customer. Uh, that was owned by Shell Chemical. Shell Chemical said, we're just going to go straight back to oil and gas. We're getting out of the chemical industry. It was actually the, the plastics and rubber industry. They make those polymer BBs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the employees bought the plant with a financial backing company. Mm. The financial backing company squeezed them for profit for two years and sold them. Mm. They got a new financial backing company. They squeezed them for two years for all the profit they could get. And the first thing they do is attack shipping, shipping mm -hmm. cost. And uh, so then it come around to the third company. Well, the third company said, letting your whole customer service team go, except for one person to do data entry, and brought in personnel straight from a 3PL on site to the plant mm. to run their shipping department. And so everything was placed into a sheep, uh, 3PL. Um, this was a very large customer of ours for many years. And uh, that 3PL turned around and put out an RFP, a bid package. And all they had in it was foreigners and carriers that you'd never heard of. And we were taking, you know, direct complaint calls from all the shipping locations that this customer had. Uh, you know, what are you doing sending these kind of trucks in? These guys don't speak English. They're <laughs> broke down in my dock. Uh, they're using the bathroom in the parking lot. Just all kinds of complaints. And it's like, it's not us. We didn't send those in. Mm. Said, 
they've now got pricing so cheap that none of our trucks will touch it. So it's kind of, so we ended up losing the customer, same scenario, that capital venture, you know, they just squeeze them for profit, sell them, squeeze them for profit, sell them. Does it, but does it eventually come back around? You know, never did. Never did. No, because the three PL, which was Transplace, then they were bought out for, uh, or no, it was LMS Logistics. They were bought out by Transplace, which was even a much larger company. And I see the loads posted still. The lanes that we used to haul for twenty five years still on the Landstar board, but it's yeah, dollar twenty, dollar mm. nineteen, ninety eight cents a mile to go to California, dirt cheap. <laughs> You know, non has loads, but uh, so well that that leads to a question because I I see I could go to the Landstar board right now and find a cheap load. I never see that stuff because I'm not looking at a dollar a mile stuff. Right, and people are like I can't believe they post this stuff on the board. Well, why not? I mean, let them post it. I, if you don't want to haul it, set your thing at two fifty a mile, and you'll never see it. But it's like they go looking for it so they can prove a point. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, they're getting tricked somehow into pulling a dollar and a quarter load. You know, it's right. just um, – but I guess, you know, that's the offer. So they're going to put it on there and see if they can get some idiot to haul it, I guess. Um, well, that's like I try to explain to a lot of guys that will call, you know, BCOs that will call us and complain. Did you see such and such posting? No, I'm, I'm – I'm conducting business here. I'm not just par <laughs> paroling the board, but uh, so while we're just, we're talking about it, I'll pull it up and take a look. And of course, I don't put any restrictions on my search. Right. Yeah. Today's date, a van. There you go. Versus, you know, he's got a multitude of different restrictions. You know, hazmat only, three dollar minimum per mile, fifty mile radius of where he's sitting. Mm -hmm. You know. And so I'll go down the board and I said, well, such and such, you know, this agent's got this, this is this, you know, well, I didn't see none of them. Mm -hmm. you open up your restrictions and you'll see more. Why ain't hauling that cheap stuff? <laughs> well, nobody says you had to. Right. But you don't have to call me and complain about it when you do see it. Yeah. You know. I I occasionally, a couple times a month, will book a load off a cold call from an agent. It's very rare. Now, of course, my phone number, my office phone number is listed on every truck. So they just call me and they think they're just calling that truck. Hey, I have, I have great load. I would like to, and I'm like, okay, which one? What, what do you mean? Which one? I'm like, what's the truck number? Well, they have no idea. They just see a truck and I'm like, y'all, I've, I've got 17 trucks. So you need to tell me which one you're talking about. First off, what's it pay? Okay. never mind. But you know, but, 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 but nope. Hang up. And so I have to tell my new guys, like, they are going to call you, okay? Number one, don't ever give my cell phone number. And two, you could say, look, I don't dispatch. I don't book for myself. Um, I have a dispatcher, and we don't take cold calls. And if they persist, just hang up. Just just hang the phone up. Um, they're going to send you texts. They're going to call you. Just ignore them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, they, they're they're – they're in the business of getting their feelings hurt. And if, if they get their feelings hurt, they're in the wrong business. Um, but yeah, so I got a couple of comments that came in here. Uh, your sister says she's listening to you. So be nice. <laughs> a friend of mine thinks you look like John Daly. Um, I hope you don't drink as much as he does. Um, no, I quit. <laughs> uh, Phil, 
uh, Freese, who is our platform dispatcher. He says, please have Scott explain who sets the rates in this industry. Who sets the rates? In my experience, it's mainly shipper driven. Uh, you know, we, we make up an, a, a proposal due to all the data that we can gather on current market pricing. Um, it's provided through Landstar. You get, we get pricing on Landstar trucks. We get pricing on a multitude of different items, Transcore, DAT, uh, internet truck stop. Um, Landstar has a BART system that draws in data from all these outside companies to see what the rates are posted for versus what the rates are covered for versus what the shippers actually paid hmm. and you, you just absorb a ton of data to try to figure out your own pricing for your own agency to present to a customer in a bid package um so well in this case yeah it does come down it's 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 priced by the agent you know you can outprice yourself and not get any of the freight which happens to a lot of us due to three pls they 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 just lowball the freight. Mm -hmm. um, they're not catering to a bunch of drivers who own their own trucks, pay their own bills that are commanding a higher price per mile than the industry standards. That's why everybody wants to be with Landstar because the money's a little bit better than the industry standard. Yeah. And plus you have the freedom to come and do whatever you want you know, because it's your own truck, your own business. Uh, you pick how, when, where you'll do anything. I, I mean, when you're, when we're in a market like we were in 2020, 21, just, I mean, everything's on fire. Um, and you've got contract rates set. Are you having to go to the customer and saying, you better get your checkbook out or it ain't going to move? I mean, are you, are yes. you, uh, we had to go to, uh, um, you know, like one of our local customers, uh, just went to a spot market system to where he would send us a load offer. We would put in a current spot market bid, uh, even though we had a contract in place, but we, we told him, you know, we would adhere to that contract and honor it as long as we could until mm -hmm. we just couldn't cover it anymore. And when we stubbed our toe a few times uh, on certain lanes, especially Florida, you know, there's a lot of Florida lane loads. And, you know, I think our contract was based at like 325 a mile. And we ended up, you know, going as high as like 530 a mile mm -hmm. to move his, his uh, Florida loads. I hauled a few of those. But, you know, it was a high volume. So how do you feel – we have tried at Blue Ribbon to have the policy that uh, we try to take care of direct shippers as much as within reason, you know, because some of them are locked into contracts that people just won't budge, you know. Right. Um, but it's still like 350 you know. It's still good money, right? Um, but we've tried to remember them and 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 take care of them uh 
because a lot of BCS will just leave them swinging in the wind when the you know spot markets at five and six dollars a mile. Um, I got I got crucified uh, in one of these stupid Landstar groups because my customer that I've had since 2014 that's 250 a mile plus fuel plus stops pays round trip come back empty you know it's a six thousand dollar a week run for three days of work by the way um and i tried to get coverage for it trying to help the agent and i put it on facebook and all these morons saw was 250 a mile they they ignored the fuel they ignored the stops they ignored the round trip empty miles they ignored all of that well it's gonna be sitting there till you get back for that cheap you know and i'm thinking <laughs> you idiot who the hell do you think's gonna have the the contracts when this market uh bubble pops Right. And let me promise you, they're going to remember who took care of them when the market was up and, and made sure that their customers still had capacity um, while you jokers were off, you know, riding on $6 a mile freight. Um, do you think BCOs have a kind of responsibility to to um, shepherd that, that direct freight? I, I do. Um because with all the ups and downs in our economy and storms and things that's happened, uh, we've had customers, you know, come to us and, you know, hey, look, you know, we'll give you the freight. But during the lean times versus when things are really abundant, don't forget us. Mm -hmm. You know, don't leave us high and dry in the wind when there's a bunch of FEMA freight available. <laughs> and, you know, just... You know, uh, you know you, I, that, you, you're on the public board, you know, just as much as I am, and, and you've seen it. Uh, you know, the, the storm wasn't even over. It just had just crossed over Florida, and there's all this BCO activity on the, on the boards, mm -hmm. you know, saying, who's got FEMA? Who's got this? You know? My favorite part of that was, and I guess the FEMA's not paying that well, from what I'm hearing. Um. But the same people that are saying, well, those people in Florida must not be that bad off at these rates would also say if fuel rose in that disaster area that was price gouging. Well, what the hell do y'all call this is supposed to be disaster relief? This this is humanitarian work. Why don't you show your charitable nature and go down there for two dollars a mile? You know, oh no, 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 no. It's gotta be five, six dollars a mile for me to go down there. And I I've never hauled a FEMA load because uh, there's just no way I'm going to go sit in a disaster. And now I've hauled disaster loads. I, I did one with one of y'all's trailers a few years ago down when we had real bad floods. Right. Well, I did it for free. You know, <laughs> that was the difference. You know, I got borrowed a trailer from y'all and I went and hauled a bunch of union missing stuff. I don't know. I was like 97,000 pounds. That's when I backed into the dock at Union Mission. They're like, well, how much do you want to take? I'm like, oh, I guess I'll take it all. Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, that son bitch was loaded from top to bottom and back to front. And I went down Sandstone, and I'm like, holy crap. I hope I don't get pulled to the DOT because I'm about 100,000 pounds right now. Um, but I just, you know, and, and, and they're saying, well, hell yeah, I'll leave the agent's direct freight to go haul FEMA. Right. Okay. Well. I mean, I would love to, here's a great question. Could you, is it practical for you to have a list of B, of excluded BCOs that you won't do business with? Is it practical? I wouldn't say practical. Um, we do have one. 
uh, in the office. We haven't added anybody to it for a long, you know, many years. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, yeah, we had the same drivers that would screw us over to two times, catch them in lies, not pick up the freight, you know. It's still just more or less like you're you're doing a contract with somebody to to do a job, yeah. And uh, you know, screw us a couple times, you know, you'd you'd make your name to the list, just to where we wouldn't just call you anymore. We wouldn't offer you the loads. But when somebody calls, I mean, you you wouldn't know until you ask them for a truck number, right? I mean, right. And then then you, I guess you're in an uncomfortable position and say. Well, you can't have my load now because, you know. Well, that's kind of why I ask, you know, who I'm talking to right up front. Mm, okay. Yeah. For, for one, I want to know if you're a BCO or, or an outside contractor. And then secondly, what's your name? Larry has said before when he had his agency that he preferred approved carriers over BCOs. Um, do How do you how do you handle that relationship um, with uh, with approved carriers? Like are in your mind, are approved carriers on the same level as a BCO? Does a, is a BCO get more trust or, or, or preference for you or yes, BC BCO gets more trust. Uh, we have more control with a BCO. As far as being able to track him down and whatnot, you know, over the years, yes, we've learned that when we deal with a uh, contract carrier, we now ask for the driver's name, cell, truck, trailer number. Um, hopefully we don't have to use his information, you know, to track him down. Hopefully we can deal with the, 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 the dispatcher per se and, and find out the information we need, you know, when we're not getting a check call or, or a customer wants to wants an update, you know, when to expect or load if it's a two or three or four day run, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, 90, you know, a lot of our customers loads, we will post BCO only. Um, we don't want to use mm -hmm. contract carriers. Uh, we've, we've got a large Japanese import customer. We do all their loads exclusively, uh, BCO only. Debbie chimed in. She says her mind's like a steel trap. She don't have to add you to the do not haul list. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> Women never forget. That's you know? it. Um, so here's a comment. I'll let you respond to this. Agents make more money with approved carriers than BCOs. That is not correct at all. Okay. Break it down. <clears throat> what? we have been doing or experiencing for the last six plus years now is just for round numbers. Say I've got a load that pays two grand. Mm -hmm. BCO is going to make, depending on if he's pulling a company trailer or his own trailer, but he's going to make between what? 66 and 75% of that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> currently, if I've got that load that pays two grand, and I post it to the board, and in an hour, an outside contract carrier is the only person that's called on it. Um, they usually start asking for twenty two hundred when my first offer's seventeen. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah, I'm trying to make profit off the load when it's a contract carrier. Um, and we usually end up doing a negotiation and I usually end up paying them 18 or $1,900 and Landstar is going to take their 60% of that profit. Mm. So it's the contract is made to disincentivize you from not using a BCO or, or pretty much. Okay. So just so we're clear, if an agent has gets paid $2,000 for a load and they gave it away for a thousand dollars, Landstar's taking sixty percent of that money from them. Yes, so, or even more. It just depends on the contract that you have with Landstar. Not all agents have the same contract. Okay. Over the years, put to you this way, they would love to get rid of us or our contract and put us under a new contract hmm. because we're grandfathered in under an old contract that my father negotiated. Oh, okay. So to you where, get it to where you know, like we we make a percent more than most other agents. Okay, one percent. But uh, and, and I know a lot of BCOs think, oh, the agents taking money off the load. The way the Landstar system set up, what we bill is what the load pays. There's no way an agent can make anything extra besides his percentage of line haul only mm -hmm. is the only thing the agent gets paid on. We don't get any paid off of stops or hazmat or detention or anything, anything else. Just the agent gets paid off of line haul only. And what the customer pays Landstar matches what the agent pays the BCO. Yeah. That was, I remember in orientation on day one, this is March of 2014. I'd gotten my log into the board and I'm playing with it and I'm looking and I see a load. And I don't know, I was in Indy, so maybe it was from Indy going somewhere. And I saw it and then the rate went up and the rate went up and the rate went up just in a matter of a few hours. And, uh, you know, so I was in there with, Alexander Jordan. And, and I said, Hey, I, I, I mean, so, so how, how's this? They just keep adding money to it. And he said, that's probably coming out of their pocket. I went, Oh, so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, well, the agency is going to give it out for this much and then they'll keep going up. And he was like, no, it's, you know, and then he explained to me how it works. It's whatever Landstar bills is what you're getting. But, you know, it's possible that if it's a direct customer, the agent may have to be pulling out of their money or their own pocket or, or trying to get Landstar to throw in to get that load covered. Um, you know, and uh, I just, I, you know, agents, I mean, BCOs, well, I, I always say they act like, you know, the axis of the universe runs through the top of their precious little head. Um, but it would do them well to understand more about how the agent gets paid. Um, and, and you know what? And I didn't know it until I was on a conversation with you one day and I just asked you, mm -hmm. you know, this is probably 2016. And I'm like, cause I always felt such a, like get, get on the phone, get the load book, get off the phone. I never had conversations. And I finally just went, well, Scott, how's this work? And you explained this very thing to me about approved carriers and BCOs. And I went, Holy crap, that's so simple. And it makes so much sense. 
But most BCS don't know that because they're talking to some idiot on Facebook or somebody on the CB radio. And, you know, so they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So <clears throat> the way the Landstar system set up for the agent, there's no way that a load can pay $3,000 from the shipper and the agent only pay you two. There's just no way it can right. be done. What the shipper pays is what the agent, you know, is, uh, is offering to the BCO with the breakdown of line haul fuel and any accessorials that there may be. There's no way the way the system set up, there's no way an agent can skim any money from the load. And I, and I hear it all the time, you know, and, and see it on the pages on the, on the different Landstar pages that that's just the mentality of the drivers thinking, Oh, that agent's taking money off of that load. And, you know, it just don't happen. Yeah. Um, now when you see postings out there by what I deem as copy and paste agents, and I, cause all they're doing is copying from the broker boards and putting it over on the Landstar boards. But prior to them hitting post, they look and see if that load's already posted. And what I have found is when you see a load posted 19 times, whatever the cheapest price is, is pretty much what the mm -hmm. load actually pays. And then each copy and paste posting after that, they're adding $50, $100, $500. Um, trying to get you to call. Yep. Just trying to buy that phone call. And then when you do, it's either, oh, well, they're not willing to pay that, or mm -hmm. they can live legitimately go to the 3PL and say, hey, I found you a truck, but it's going to cost this much. Would you be willing to pay that? Mm -hmm. and, I had I had a situation one time, and I don't know what happened. I, I made some guesses. But I had booked a guy on a load, I think it was out of Wisconsin, going, I don't know, to Ohio. And I got a call that the load had canceled. And I'm like, well, crap. So I reset my search and start looking. And that same load popped up from an, with another agent that I know. It's third party, but I, I know her. And I'm like, what the hell? Why not? So I called her and I said, uh, hey, call about this load. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's available. And now it was $600 cheaper or whatever it was. Still within my parameters, you know, <clears throat> ours was $2,000 a day up until a couple months ago. It, everything about it was still a good load as far as I was concerned. And I said, so it's still available. And she's like, yeah, you want to book it? And I'm like, matter of fact, I do. And so I booked it again. I think one of two things happened. Either they called back after he had, I booked it with him and they wanted to cut the rate. And either A, he told him to jump in the lake, no, or he called me and told me it canceled because he didn't want to get screamed at by me, one or the other, you know. But either way, you know, he could have called me and said, hey, they want to cut the rate, and I probably stayed on it. But I'm sure he's been screamed at by so many BCOs <laughs> that he was like, well, hell, I'm not doing that. I'll just tell him that it canceled. And then I ended up booking the exact same load for less money, Um but at the end of the day, I honestly don't care. They gave me a freight bill. We picked a load up. We delivered, scanned the damn paperwork, and we got paid. Right. You know, I, it's just a bunch of this stuff that I can't, um, 
I just can't get hung up on because it um, doesn't matter. You know, Lee says, I, I've, I've been being lied to from two different agents I've worked with for years. Or they just don't know. Maybe they made it up. I mean, hell, look at Facebook. People just make shit up all the time, you know? Yeah. So I mean, maybe they believe it to be true and have told you, and they're just full of crap, you know? Uh, Dale Massey says, I would love to learn that part of the business. So what do you think is the best way for a BCO to learn your side of the business and how it works? <clears throat> All right. I, hell, I guess anybody, not just a BCO. Right. I mean, if he's looking to become an agent or he just wants to learn that side, um, my best suggestion would be to make a friend with an agent mm -hmm. and go and sit and watch and learn the day-to-day -day business that's conducted. Um, then you can go through uh, an agent program with Landstar. You can go through the training where they teach you to be an mm -hmm. agent. That would be my best two suggestions. You know, maybe even take a logistics class online. I've been um, I've been to two agencies. I've been to yours, and I've been to CAK up in um, Ohio. Ohio, and. You know, they, their system, um, you know, uh, they've got a piece of paper that is the load. So if you call like CAK, for example, and you say, is this load available? And she goes, I don't know. Let me go get the sheet. Well, the sheet is a little piece of paper and it has all the stuff on it. And if she can find the sheet, the load's good. If she can't find the sheet, somebody's probably already covered it, you know, and then she'll take the sheet and I've watched them do it. And if you book it, all right, well, they write your truck and trailer and phone and name and email and all that stuff on the little sheet. And then they build the load and press the button and voila, you know, it, it's not a super complicated process. Um, you know, Larry's made the, um, the analogy that we love Landstar because we can run our business any way we want to run it. And so can an agent, you know, and, I think one of the big struggles that somebody that's never been in a system like this has never booked a load kind of doesn't have the old school experience as it were. Um, and they can't understand that every agency is different. You know, everybody's communication is different. How they send emails is different. You know, you guys always send a, a, a very nice document with a very clear email, you know, hell, some of them, you get a, you get a document. They only send you a phone number, you know, it's just, right. You know, and then others don't send any attachments. Everything's typed out, you know, and it's red and blue and yellow and green. You're trying to read it on your phone. God almighty. <laughs> you know, um, everybody's different, you know. And so you have to read every word of every email to make sure that you understand how that um, how that agent wants to be communicated with, how they want to be contacted. I can tell you this. The one thing you cannot go wrong with is send an email when you arrive. Send an email when you depart. Send an email when you arrive at the consignee. Send an email when you're empty, and the agents will love you. Yes. Right? Exactly. Um, instead of receiving a phone call, you know, for a verbal check call, I'm fine with receiving an email. Yeah. And then you have an indelible record forever in that email, you mm -hmm. know. And, um, and it's... One other little tidbit is when you're at your consignee and you 
send that email that, you know, departing shipper, put a little attachment and just take your phone, take a nice clear picture of your POD and just attach that to it. That'll save you. That'll save you a phone call down the road. Three weeks later, somebody Mm -hmm. looking for that POD because it happens a lot to us. Customer will come to us asking for a POD for a load that delivered three weeks to six months ago. Mm -hmm. And then all the data that we have to go through to, to, to find and track down that driver. Or if, you know, if we can't find it through corporate or a legible and readable version of it, you know, we can always go back to the driver, you know, for, for an original copy. What we do, I started this about probably three years ago is when the driver transflows their paperwork, the transflow system sends you an email. When that email comes in, if you click on that link, it shows the exact date and time that you scanned it. It shows the freight bill, truck, and trailer that you entered. Well, if you copy that confirmation number and download the PDF, you can paste that confirmation number onto that proof of delivery and then save that PDF in Dropbox, Google Drive, iCloud, whatever, and then name it the freight bill number. And then... And I've, I've got every proof of delivery for every load we've done with all of our trucks for three years in our Dropbox. And so if there's a question, I pull up the freight, I go into Dropbox, I type the freight bill number, boom, proof of delivery, confirmation number. It's everything right there. I've always got access to it. Um, and because if you don't, uh, like somebody said something about um, uh, send the link to the transflow that I sent to the agent. Um, well, that's fine, except the link to the document expires after a certain period of time. So you've got the link, you've got the confirmation number, but you don't have the document because that document will expire. So if you have that link that comes in that email and you try to go click on it to get the proof of delivery, it's gone. Right. So you need to do that in real time. Um, just click on it, download it, put your confirmation number on it, save it into a cloud storage service with the freight bill number and you've got it forever. Um, but that, that, that link will eventually expire. A lot of customers have gone to these new TMS systems and a couple of our customers that are using it, you know, the driver, uh, sends his empty email and attaches a, even just, a, like I said, just take a clear picture of mm-hmm. your POD. I can take that POD and go ahead and add it to the customer's TMS. Mm, nice. And that way it's already in there. And that saves anybody from, you know, six months down the road. Hey, we need to get a POD on this. The con- con- the is saying they never received a load. Mm. We hear that so many times over the years. And, uh, you know, you, you go back, you find it. Oh, Chuck Starcher signed for that load right here's your POD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was telling Mark, the guys last weekend, I delivered a load of empty totes down to Lexington, uh, North Carolina. And while I was sitting there, my tire alarm goes off and I've run over a nail, brand new tire. And I was so focused on getting that tire fixed that when they came out and told me my I was done, I pulled out of the dock, closed the door, and hauled ass. About a week later, the lady's like, hey, man, we didn't get paid on this load. I'm like, oh, not a problem. Let me go grab the transflow. 
Couldn't find it. Uh, looked in the folder. Couldn't find a POD. Couldn't find the transflow email. And then my mind started going back to that day. And I went, holy crap, I drove off without the paperwork. I must have called their phone number a hundred times. Couldn't ever get anybody on the phone. And I'm like, well, screw it. So I booked a lo- another load back down there like two weeks later. And I walked up the window and I said, hey, I delivered here two weeks ago on this date. And I didn't get my paperwork. And they gave me a copy of it and I scanned it in. But I mean, you know, what kind of idiot drops off without a damn paperwork? <laughs> you know? It happens. <clears throat> yeah. Could happen to the best of us. Uh, getting this question here, Jay, how does the land start a lease to own program work? Uh, it doesn't because there isn't one. Um. Uh, Landstar does not work with the SF5 financial program. Um, Landstar is a non-asset-based carrier. Um, Landstar does not have any trucks. Uh, Landstar does not lease any trucks. Um, I mean, you can go to LOAN Mountain, you know, and and it's get you a truck. I wouldn't. Um, but Landstar doesn't. You know, you, you get a truck, you come here, you can lease it on, uh, or you can come to Blue Ribbon and drive for us. Um, and so go to uh, driveforblueribbon.com and fill out the application, and, uh, and we'll talk to you. And you can come drive one of our trucks and learn how to not be one of the 95% that fail in the first two years of buying a truck. And that's exactly what's going to happen to you if you start messing around with Lone Mountain and SFI uh, you are guaranteed a bankruptcy, a divorce, probably a repossession and a foreclosure. Ask me how I know. Um, uh, oh, let's see. Debbie comments again. We have a load book. I write every single load on a page for each day. I add note to eat. I add notes to each load. If there's breakdowns, lack of communication, etc. Remember folks, she don't forget. She's like an elephant. She don't ever, elephants and race car drivers, they never forget. Yeah, I'm the world's worst about. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard that. I've not, heard that about you from somebody. Not going back and putting in uh, the notes, you know, because, you know, say you load a guy on Monday and he delivers the following Monday on a coast to coast load. And, uh, you know, I may forget to go back in and put any notes that transpired during the process of that load and uh, good or bad. And then three weeks later, you get a call from a customer asking questions. Well, why was it a day late or what, who approved it to be two days early, you know, or, or that. And <clears throat> if I had done the load, you know, Debbie's always jumping on me for not putting <laughs> the notes back on the book. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we still do it old school. We, we make notations, uh, on, uh, you know, we, we write handwrite every load on the book and, uh, for each day and make notes as it goes along. And, you know, we write freight bill numbers, all the driver details, uh, you know, just like you were talking about dealing with CAK, we do the same thing, but when you call us, we never have to ask anybody if, if the load's still available, mm-hmm. I don't post a load unless I have it. Yeah. And yeah, let me grab that sheet for you. It's the actual customer's bill of lading that I'm writing your information on then I give that sheet to Debbie and she puts it in the book. Rocky, uh, Rocky jumps in here to answer this. So an operator, um, has to go through Schneider finance themselves to get a truck. And then you have to go through the same qualification process as everybody else. So whether your trucks paid for or through Schneider or through, 
Lone Mountain, you have to go get it inspected and 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 do all that stuff. Um, uh, and Rocky says I have worked on quite a few. He he does MD alignment down in Jacksonville. Uh, I've worked on a few that have lease trucks in the past, and they were barely making it last year. And I can testify to that. Um, if you have a big truck payment right now, because you've got one in 2020 when rates were stupid high, um, you better have a backup plan because, you know, if you're paying five, six, $800 a week for a truck payment, I don't think you're going to make it through this correction because it's, it's going to get ugly. And I'm, and I'm not a fear guy, but I'm a real guy, you know, and, and things are going to get ugly for a period of time. Um, and then they'll start ticking back up. But unfortunately, a lot of these people with these Schneider finance trucks and these Lone Mountain trucks, um, are going to be in a hurting, uh, you know, I mean, what, cause what are you going to do if it drops to two bucks a mile all in fuel and everything, you know, what if it's a buck 75, you know, fuels, our fuel cost right now is 55 cents and our trucks get good fuel mileage. Problem is a bunch of y'all don't even know what your fuel cost is because you're not tracking it. You don't know, you're not doing a P and L you, you don't know what your cost of operation is. Um, how, you don't know how to pick. The only way you know how to pick a load is because you hear the other monkeys saying, well, 350, 350, 350, $5. But what's your cost per mile? I know what ours is. I know exactly what ours is. And things can get pretty, pretty ugly. Um, and we're still going to make money, you know. But we have paid for trucks and motivated drivers, um, you know. Good God, Rocky's saying most of the most were eleven hundred to fourteen hundred per week before Schneider took a required maintenance account money. Holy cow! I I can't even. Which there was this TikTok that went around a couple months ago of this. They were at a dealership and the guy was walking up with people. Hey, what's your car payment? And they're like twelve hundred. 950, you know, of course they're frigging driving. They're 27 year olds driving Hellcats and Escalades and, you know, um, yeah, I feel guilty that my truck payment's 500, you know, I, I can't imagine. Uh, but Hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I've, I've talked to some BCOs that's been paying $2,800 a month. Jesus. I, I can't, I, I just, I can't even, I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine, you I know, I wouldn't want to be paying that in this current market. No, you, well, you can't. I mean, um, well, I, I my parameters used to be hundred mile deadhead, 2000 bucks, 600 mile max, pick up today, deliver tomorrow. If a load was two days, it had to pay four grand. Well, the two-day loads just generally weren't worth it. You might get four going one way, but you weren't going to get it coming back. So we were, for the longest time, probably back to 2019, one load a day, five loads a week. You know, we would do a 1.5 over the weekend. So it was 2000 bucks a day during the week, 3000 for the weekend load, $10,000 minimum, and we were just, just banging them out. Now, I've dropped my minimum to 1250 
for a one day load and like 20, maybe 26 to 2,800 for a two day load. And we've been doing a lot more two day loads and now I can still get 10,000, but I'm having to do it in three loads instead of five, you right. know? So I've had to change because some of the one day loads just aren't worth messing with, you know, cause they're 1250 bucks for 680 miles. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> No, twelve fifty. I'll go four hundred miles, four fifty, you know. But you know, I, it's and it's just and it's just like a switch flipped, you know. And and all of this stuff started driving down, you know. Um, I've got a guy on a five dollar and eleven cent mile run right now for a thousand and sixty miles, you know. So there's still a few of them out there, um, but you know they're not falling out of the sky like they were before. But that's what kills me is. Uh you know, we'll, we'll price a lane for a customer. And, and we, this has happened to us a lot with, with, especially with short hauls, but we'll be at 12 to 1300 bucks for an 85 mile run hmm. and not get a call. Really? Not get a call. Guilty. And then I'll, I'll pull a hundred mile radius of the origin and look at all the other uh, agents freight, you know, on the Landstar board. And nothing comes close to comparing to our load, you know, as far as a rate per mile or anything. And it's like talking with my sister, you know, I don't understand it. Why is nobody calling? So you take it off of BCO only and open it up to brokers, and then you end up paying them within $100 of what the total load pays. So you make 40 bucks on a load that wow. pays you know, 13, 14, you know, 12 to $1,400. Yeah. Well, when, when, when the pandemic happened and started, so Mar first quarter, March of 2020, right. our, our daily rate was 1250 and mm -hmm. we would do 650 miles for, uh, $1,200, $1,250 and be like, okay, that's a good load. And we, you know, and our minimum weekly was 6250. And of course the, the last two weeks of March and the, in April of 2020, obviously was a, we had to make a bunch of phone calls cause it was book it and it would cancel and book another one and it cancel and book another one and it would cancel. And then we'd book another one and it would finally go. Um, I sat at a shipper in Illinois for nine hours in like April of 2020. And I went into the shipping office and this dude looked like he had had his ass whipped. I mean, he was just, and I said, Hey man, I know you're having a rough day but am I ever going to get loaded? And he went, nah. And I said, so I, I should probably just leave. And he was like, yeah, be a good idea. And I, okay. And unlocked it, closed the doors and deadheaded 500 miles to Parkersburg to get my dedicated run, you know? And the agent's like, well, I'm going to try to get a truck order not used. And I say, yeah, good luck with that. And she mm -hmm. tried for like four months and they finally were like, nope, not happening. Um, but what, what was she going to do? You know? Um, they probably had a, a, a quarter of the people they needed to run that plant that day and nobody was there. Nobody come to work. It was a disaster. And then it just started creeping up and creeping up and creeping up until we're like, well, hell, let's just make the minimum $2,000 a day. So a load like that, that if I was a BCO, I probably would still do, but I've got a driver to pay, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I've got to keep that, that minimum up, but don't worry, we'll be beating your door down for that $1,250 85-mile run here shortly.
Um, and then you take into account, you know, each person operates their or business different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got drivers that like to do five loads in a week. Um, you've got other drivers that when they pick a load up, they want to drive for four or five days and no stops. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your, you know, coast to coast runners, and then you've got your short haul runners and you got the guys that like to do loads for two and three days. And, you know, that way they can get, uh, two, two loads, two runs done in a week. Um, it's all how the BCO wants to operate his business. Um, some drivers, you know, say based out of West Virginia, they try to make a triangle or a square, make connections with other agents, and you can just maintain that same triangle or square over mm-hmm. and over again. A lot of the similar or same runs. I know a West Virginia-based driver likes to haul all that liquor down to Lewisburg. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Liquor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's been sampling the product. Um yeah, it's, it's, th- that's the thing. I wish I could get people to understand what we do and we're, we're wildly profitable. You know, the a- industry average profits about 2%. We're at 10 or a little better, you know, for a multi-truck fleet, which is fantastic. But we're doing that on dri- general f- driving freight. We're not doing anything specialized. We've got two trucks running a platform, one with a Conestoga, one with a step deck. Uh, our step deck guy can't do any of the like wide stuff yet. But we're not doing anything special. We're doing what we've been doing with general freight in a drive van. If you come to Landstar and you can learn how to communicate with agents and how to deliver your loads on time and how to trip plan properly and how to stay compliant there are so many opportunities that are behind curtains you don't even know exist, but you'll never find them if you don't learn how to communicate so that agents will go, you know what? Hey, you did a really good job on that load. Let me tell you about this. You know, if, if you had a little special equipment, let me tell you about what you could do here. You know, what if you had a lift gate? What if you had a, you know, some blankets and bars and straps, or what if you learned how to do that? There's, there's money to be made here that you can't do anywhere else. You know, you can haul driveway and crap anywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. but to understand the unbelievable opportunities that exist at Landstar, um, you're never going to get that stuff unless you learn how to run a business and still be in business after two years, but learn how to communicate. And it's so simple and it's so easy, but a bunch of them just don't want to do it. Oh, it's none of their damn business. It's literally their business. <laughs> Your location is their business. <clears throat> yeah, just like Debbie and I, we've preached to so many BCOs over the years that you, you've got to realize you are the face of Landstar in front of these customers. God help us all. And we have been blessed with a a couple of BCOs, you know, calling us up. Hey, I just delivered to such and such. They're, they're pretty much handling our sales call for us. They retrieve the information that we need to make that contact and actually, you know, do a true sales call. Um, you know, you may deliver to a location or pick up from a location and Joe blow trucking never showed up to pick up their load. And you know, the, the, 
shipper or consignee may start talking to the BCO about, you know, hey, do you think that whoever, you know, sent you in here, can they get me a truck? You know? Mm -hmm. And once I like to say, uh, you know, the one hand scratches the other one's back, you know, in that situation. And of course, yeah. Anytime you're in the area, I'll definitely load you. Be very appreciative. Yeah. Probably not going to happen if you're wearing pajama bottoms and flip flops. <laughs> no, <way>. not at all. <clears throat> um, let's see. Let me look into comments here and see if there's anything I missed. I don't think I have. So anything that you would like, anything else more you would like BCOs to know about your life as an agent? Well, they can just always know that CHW as an agency will always be upfront and honest with you. We pride ourselves in complete and accurate dispatch. Yep. We're detail-oriented. Um when you call us, we don't have to call anybody else to see if that load's still available because it's not going to be posted if we don't already have it. <clears throat> Otherwise, um, everybody stay safe and blessed out there, and good luck over the next four months. I want uh, I want to get your opinion on this because this, this was a hot topic after uh, Larry got back from BCO days, and this is a comment on they put it in a book it now. Lee says, how's book it now going to work? when there's four different agents with the same load posted and none of them know if it's even still available. I can see the board going from 80,000 loads to 20,000 if guaranteed. Um, it, this is one of those things where I think people want to solve a problem, but they really don't want to because if they do, I, I, can, I just can't see Landstar saying, um, like, oh, who was it? Somebody used to have Dow Chemical and they put it all to one agent or something, something like that. D didn't they, didn't Dow have to go to one agent or well, maybe it wasn't Dow Chemical. Somebody. No, what it was, was, uh, Dow, which is a, you know, very large nationwide company was on a local level dealing with a multitude of different Landstar agents. Mm -hmm. Um, we were handling South Charleston, uh, you know, Vestaberg, Michigan agent VMI, you know, was handling Michigan and uh, one of the facilities out in California. She was also dealing with uh, LaPorte, Texas. We would get occasional loads out of LaPorte too. Um, <clears throat> Menlo Logistics took over Dow's uh, transportation. Does that still exist? Menlo? Yeah. Okay. Menlo's still there. Um and when they did, they didn't want to contact a, a multitude of different Landstar agents. They just wanted one point source of contact and went to corporate with it. And then corporate, you know, assigned that one agent to handle it. Okay. I thought I had that right. The, it seems to me the only way that works is for them to negotiate a single point of contact for the 3PL, one agency, um, you know, gets C.H. Robinson and one agency gets Schneider, J.B. or whoever it is. And then, you know, they verify that the load is is good and, and then they post it with a book it now option. But I just I don't see. I just don't 
I don't know how they'll they'll do it because it just seems almost impossible to do it. I mean, it sucks the way it is now, but hell, it works. You know, it, at least it works now. But I'm thinking a lot of people that want that book it now option. Um, they they want something they think they want, but I don't I don't really think they want it. You know what I mean? It's right. I, I can't really see how that would work anyway. I mean, the, for one, C.H. Robinson is limited. Landstar has limited how many agents can actually handle their freight. Not any agent can. I didn't know that. Yeah. You, you have to be approved as an agency to be able to haul okay. C.H. Robinson freight <clears throat> and try to park that book of business with one agency, you realize how big that agency would have to be to handle that volume of business. Mm, okay. You're, you're, you'd have to be operate for one. You'd have to be operational 24 seven yeah. because there's a lot of nighttime and a lot of weekend loads. You know, it'd be, it'd be like dealing with uh UPS during Christmas rush. You know, you have to operate 24 hours. Um, Secondly, like you were saying before, uh, you know, the, the, the freight board, if, if these big three PLs were assigned to one specific Landstar agent, all your copy and paste agents would disappear because there wouldn't be nothing for them to post. Right. Which, you know. Doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I've gotten to know some of them, you know, and, and some, I'm sure some of them are overseas, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a girl that, get, you know, that will get us a load out of nitro. That's a great load. You know, I don't know where she's at. She sounds like she's from somewhere. Um, but you know, I don't know how it's her load, but it's her load. You know, she's, she is my gateway to get that load. And, um, I don't know who the broker is, but sometimes I can't even tell who the broker is, you know, um, you know, and you then can't I tell I, by the bills. Well, I haven't driven in a while, but I, I just never cared. Let's start with that. You know, right. I really never cared. Um, but you know, I could look at the freight. Well, it depends. Sometimes they'll send you that Landstar terminal copy like y'all send mm -hmm. that has the billing on it, but sometimes they'll send a rate con that doesn't have that on it. And sometimes they don't send any attachments. It's just, you know, a bunch of words and, and a freight bill number and money. And I don't, I don't have any idea who the real broker is, you know, and I did have a weird one. I tried, I, I tried booking a load and Chris, they were worried that Landstar had brokered it to another carrier, to an approved carrier. And so they called my driver and wanted the MC number. Well, he looked at the side of his truck and gave him the DOT number. Well, the, well, that's not Landstar. So then the driver calls me. So then he has the driver call me and, or has the, the broker, the broker calls me. He goes, well, what's your MC? Well, I'm an idiot. I thought it was the DOT number. I said, two, one, six, nine, three, nine. Well, that's coming up with something, 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 something. And I'm like, and I finally went, okay, stop. So I Googled Landstar Inway MC and I went, oh, I found it by this time, dude had already given the load away, but you know, I've had one, I've had them say, you know, you have to take a picture of your truck, you know, cause they mm -hmm. want to make sure it's actually a Landstar truck and not 
an approved carrier. Is that? They, they don't want you double brokering. Right. But a, an approved carrier technically is a Landstar truck in that, right? In well, like I, like I deemed it earlier, and what Landstar calls it, is a contract carrier. Contract carrier. Yep. They're contracted. They jump through hoops to meet Landstar's credentials to be an approved carrier. They don't. They don't just sign on any willy-nilly and, and be, let them become an approved carrier. Mm -hmm. And believe me, uh, I run, a, run across it a lot that Landstar hovers over the CSA scores on these carriers. Mm. And if they don't meet, not the DOTs, if they don't meet Landstar's threshold, they don't get approved. If they're too close to Landstar's higher threshold, they get disapproved. Mm. Okay. Even though it's not at a DOT level to get them disapproved, but Landstar's, you know, their bar per se to whether you either need to be above it or below it, uh, you know, will be a difference of you being, you know, approved or disapproved. And, uh, you know, one week a, a carrier is approved, next week they're not. Because of one driver, you know, screwed up his logs really bad, mm. and, and and you know he'll be calling on one of our loads. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Landstar approved carrier, and you know, ten minutes later, I'm calling him back after I pulled him up in the system, and and, and I already booked him on a load. So when I go through my process and pull him up in the system to print in a Landstar carrier approved sheet then I see that he's not approved. I call corporate, find out what's going on. It's his uh, CSA scores are above Landstar's threshold and they've been unapproved. So I have, oh. to call the, I have to call the carrier back and tell him that. And, oh, no, you know, it's like there's nothing I can do. But for one, have you been re-rated by the DOT since this happened? Oh, no, it just happened last week. Yeah, we had a driver screw up on his logs. Well, there you go. It's going to take you about three months to get that straightened out and get re DOT'd again and then get reapproved with Landstar. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a simple process. You know, you can't just – you you've got to have really good CSA scores and good insurance, um, you know, just, just to be approved and then – Anytime you screw up, notes are put into a file on you, so all agents can see it. Failed, okay. failed to show up for a load, acted unprofessional in front of the customer, whatever you know. There, there's a multitude of different notes that can be put in there. Well, that that's a great segue to our next question. Levi Levi says, "When I call an agent as a BCO and give my truck number, is there a rating system or any type of stat tracking system that the agent sees based on my truck's previous performance?" The, well, just like with the contract carriers, you know, when I punch in your truck number and look you up, yeah, there's a file on you. You know, good notes, bad notes, screw ups, all that's listed in your file. That is, if an agent has called and complained and had that put into your file. Okay. And it's all been verified by corporate. You can't just have somebody call in and, 
have something put in. So there. an agent can't get mad at you over something trivial and make a note on you. They've actually got to go to corporate and corporate's got to say, yeah, this, they, they, they do an investigation. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've had, I've had a couple agents try that crap with me and they lost every time. Cause I come in with reams of data and all they got is a bad attitude and hurt feelings. Right. And I, I start pulling out all the reams of data and Wayne starts like, Oh yeah, you have, you have a nice day. This is, <laughs> this is over. Um, Okay, so it's now when you when you pull that truck number up, like, do you see that immediately uh, to yes. where it would make a it would make a determination whether or not you give them the load? I wouldn't say that because I'm Debbie and I are good hearted people. We're we're going to give everybody a chance. Um, she don't I've forget never, though. Don't forget. She don't forget. That, that's true. But I've never opened up a driver's file and seen data enough to scare me to not give him a load. Okay. That's just, you know, he may have. And the thing of it is that file stays with you from day one. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I might see a bad screw-up line on there, you know, from 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And nothing since but good words, you know, good good notations. Uh you know, that, I'm not going to hold that against. So you. there's, is there, is there good in there too? Yes. Like, oh yeah. Star of quality and all that. Excellent kind of BCO went out of his way to help my customer or, or oh. did this for me. Uh, you know, just a multitude of different good things can be put in there just as well as bad. Now, how does the, how does the, can you put good stuff in there without corporate approving it? No, everything has to go. Everything through goes through there. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I, I had no idea, you know, because I've gotten a couple of star quality things here and there, you know, mm -hmm. but well, I'd love to see that, you know. Now, I wonder, does that, I wonder if that follows driver number? Probably does, because we can move people from one truck to another, but stuff specifically about that person would probably be tied to their driver number, I would assume. Yeah, because like, you know, for the agent, when I punch in your truck number, um, you know, I see what your last load was. I see your current location, your last Qualcomm hit. Um, you know, the last freight bill was hauled, where you live, emergency contact. You know, I, I can see all your all your information. Okay. And then, of course, there's a file, and then there's, there's steps in there where we can dig deeper, you know, and see other things. But uh, there's there's never a need for that. Interesting. Yeah. I need to, I need to come over and have y'all look me up. I want to see. <laughs> you look up all your own trucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not well. Listen, we'll pull up Randy meter for you. I hear you. That is an <laughs> excellent idea. Let's pull up Randy's folder and look at him. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. Randy, what's your driver number? Go ahead and put that in the comments. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay. Dale Massey, I would like to ask which agencies do both of you own? I know one is Blue Ribbon. Well, so we're, we are Blue Ribbon Logistics. We're a BCO fleet. He is CHW, um, agency. So I'm not an agent. He is. Now, Larry Long used to have an agency back in the day. Um, but I'm not an agency. I'm just, we're just a BCO fleet. We've got 13 trucks and then we've got some BCOs that we dispatch for. So we do mentoring and training and try to help people 
not be that 95% fail in the first two years. Uh, I think I saw up here that, yeah, the Dale Massey, the VMI is his agency. That's the I, bird. Yeah, I do a bunch of, we, we do, we, I'll tell you, we do as much VMI as we can handle. Um, I like VMI a lot. You haul the nitro loads institute. Yeah. When we can get them. Uh, Randy says, I'd be afraid to know what's in his file. <laughs> well, listen, Randy, we're going to find out. I'll let you know what it's in there. Um, what time are you coming over tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Randy says I'm far from perfect, but I try to be as good as possible. Yeah. Uh, even when he walks under the trailer. Yeah. I don't know that story, but I'm on, I'm, I can't wait to hear it. It cost him a dedicated run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Randy's going to have to tell me that story. Uh, Debbie comments. Um, he's responding to the guy about the, uh, rating system. An agent would have to look into your driver file to see if there's anything there. We don't do that. When we type up your freight bill and out in your truck number, nothing shows up and I don't have to, I don't have time to look up drivers, um, which I don't figure you do. I mean, you got to, um, you know, you're trying to get the thing booked and Tight, get on to the next thing. and go on to the next one. Yeah. Now that's, you know, that system, like if, if I'm going to just take your phone call, book you on a load and put you on a freight bill, I don't, you know, when we enter your truck number into the system, it doesn't show us that. You have to go to a different part of the system to like uh, say, oh, did I write his phone number down wrong? Mm -hmm. And I'll go and put your truck number into that part of the system, and it'll pull me up your truck history, your detail, and everything, and there's where your file comments will be. Okay. Randy's teasing that that story is a lot deeper than going under the trailer dinner and drinks for that whole story. Okay. Well, listen, I'll, I'll pay. Um, I thought I'd heard all Randy's stories. I guess I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> um, uh, big, I don't know. I, I'll get Randy Metter on this podcast. That's what I ought to do. I might have to get him liquored up first. Yeah. Um, it's a smooth ambler. <laughs> Debbie says, besides, I've been told more than once that my complete and accurate dispatch that I provide is too much to read. <laughs> In the last two God years, she has been told that many times. Oh, I'm a driver. I don't have time to read all that. Oh, Jesus, help me. And that's what corporate <clears throat> preaches to us. Continuously well, yeah. is complete and accurate dispatch. And it's gotten to the point, some BCOs that we're dealing with, they just send them a copy of the freight bill. That's all they need because that's the only thing they're going to look at. <laughs> you know, because they'll call us from the shipper. What's the pickup number? Oh, it's right there underneath the shipper address on your dispatch. Oh, I didn't read it. Yeah. Yeah, I've had drivers call me. Hey, man, uh, I can't find this information. I'm like, well, no, let me go look at your email. And uh, and so lots <laughs> of times I'll go to there because I've got, a, you know, we've got one email address for every truck. Right. And that way it's so much simpler. You send an email to the truck. I see it. Larry sees it. Says it. Everybody sees it. And so a driver can't find something and I'll open up their email on my phone, screenshot it, circle it, and then send them a text. I'm like, 
you know, I went and found it in your email. Yeah. You know, please don't call me and make me go look at information available to you to give you the answer. Trust me, crazy. We we run into that day in and day out. That's well, I, I mean, I, I started to say shocking, but it's not. It, no. not not in twenty twenty two. Not in America in twenty twenty two. Because you because you know some of these uh some of these guys are on technical technological crutches, you know, per se. Uh they just won't accept it. They're still yeah. stuck in the old ways. But yeah. hey, if you want to go back to trip leasing. <laughs> yeah. Debbie says the driver stuck at clear on this weekend was sure happy to know about all my directions, quiet place to sleep and five different places to eat within walking distance. Yeah. You got that, that Chinese places. Outstanding. Got Krispy Kreme donuts right across the street. Oh, you can't beat that. Um, did he not just grab one of our spotted trailers and leave? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Randy says, unfortunately, I get so many half-assed dispatches. I have a bad habit of, of not looking over them thoroughly, mainly making sure the money and location is correct, which, you know, um, but, you know, and, and there's fails. We, we teach our guys read every word of every email. There's important information in there, guys. Yeah. You know? Um, Phone numbers, contacts, uh, pickup numbers, pieces, weight, whether it's has, what the UN number is. And directions. We provide directions to a lot of locations, not yeah. all of them, but a lot of them. Our, you know, our shippers that we deal with uh, that are direct shippers, you're going to get directions, yeah. whether, whether it be an inbound or outbound load. Yeah, it's, um, well, I, I don't know if we want to tell this story, but we had, when I had my truck, so it was between 2014 and 2017, but I had called you. And booked a load out of clear on. And I got there and walked up to that guy whose whose name was Guy, I believe. Yep, Guy Parker. And uh no, I called ahead. Um, I called ahead and he goes, Well, man, that that load uh, that load already left with a Landstar truck an hour ago. And I'm like, nah, can't be. Let me call Scott. And some other agent had somehow gotten a hold of that load pickup number, posted it from Madison. I remember that because I'm like, I remember seeing those loads on the board from Madison. I'm like, y'all, there ain't nothing Madison but a Geno's and a Tudor's. There's sure as hell nowhere down there to load a truck. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I got corporate involved and I got a big fat zero out of that. Um, do, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Did that ever get resolved where... Uh, between uh, two regional managers, and then it went up to uh, the VP. Um, we ended up getting paid for the load, but it, it was a uh, one of those copy and paste agents that was trying to hide the fact of them trying to backdoor us. Mm -hmm. They would post loads that originated out of South Charleston, out of different locations. So it got me perusing the board and doing a copy and paste to corporate to have his postings removed when I knew they were clear on loads. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went as far as posting loads out of Chesapeake, Ohio. That's wow. how far he went. 
because he would do Danville Institute, mm-hmm. Charleston, Madison, uh, Institute, Nitro. He just kept stepping out a little further, a little further, a little further. And I'd keep sending the emails to corporate. Corporate would go in, look at them, match them up, and then just remove them from the board. Mm-hmm. Well, it ends up his regional manager and the VP in a conference call called him. And he said, I'm a sub-agent off of such and such agency. So I don't have to abide by Landstar's rules. Mm. How'd that work out for him? I uh, never seen him post another clear on since. <laughs> he's still there. So he's henpecking some other agent. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we did get it stopped on, you know, from, from harassing us and trying to steal our loads. Phil, Phil asked, does clear on ship any platform freight? He's asking for a friend. <laughs> No, well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure we could put them pails on a flatbed. Um, probably. Are, are you seeing, um, I mean, is, is, are van and platform kind of staying together right now or is, is one dipping more so than the other one? I think, I think the vans have dipped a little bit more than, than platform break. I had, you'll love this. There was a guy lived around here. This was, I still had my truck, so it was pre-2017. And he was a, a owner-operator and hauled tankers, and which you know, at that point, big money, big, big, big money. And I was talking to him at church one day, and he goes, uh, he goes, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of platform, or I'm going to get out of tanker and buy me a flatbed. And I said, why? Why in the world? You're like 60. Why in the world would you do that? He looked me dead in the face because Trump's going to build that wall. And there's going to be all kinds of steel going down. And I said, you're an idiot. Like <laughs> you're, you are, you're delusional. Like, even if that was true, um, you're going to give up tanker. Like I, it's just people amaze me at their stupidity. Um, Cause he was making, had an old paid for Western star. And just, I mean, piles of money pulling tanker stuff out of out of here and out of Ohio and mm-hmm. going down to Houston and back. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a flatbed, build Trump's wall. You're an idiot. God, <laughs> Mike. Holy crap. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, over the years, we've had a multitude of tankers come over to Landstar to pull a van and, you know, have to get their fifth wheel heist adjusted and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, to sit and talk to those guys about the good times and the lean times, you know, about how much money they were actually oh, making, buddy. you know, to, to run to New Jersey and back. This, yeah. Whew, yeah, it was high dollar back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I met a guy one time that was going up across 68, had a brand new peak glider, brand new. This was probably seven, 16 or 17. Um, four thousand dollar a month payment. Uh, for that brand new glider, and it was sharp. I mean, it was a pretty truck. And uh, and I said, man, aren't you, aren't you worried about that payment? He goes, I might get in a day. Why the hell would I worry about the payment? And I'm right. like, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me you make four thousand dollars a day? And he was like, 
Yeah, most of the time. You know, sometimes I dip down to 3000 a day, but, you know, I'm like, sign me up, you know. Right. Lord have mercy. Anyway, that was a tangent. Um, all right. Well, we have gone an hour and 47 minutes, so we've probably done enough damage, but the, I've been watching the watch. The, the count's staying high, so uh, you're more popular than Larry Long right now. <laughs> so, um, Poor Larry. Yeah. Well, listen, he. I'm sure – uh, his bourbon uh, cup runneth over as he's sitting down there with his ass in the sand and his toes in the water. So I'm sure he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. He commented on here uh, saying thanks for, um, uh, well, where'd it go? I saw it here somewhere. It's thanks for stepping in, uh, which is which is great because I'm I wasn't sure he actually knew how to watch this podcast. <laughs> so that's that's encouraging and refreshing. Uh, let me just remind everybody again of our good friends, uh, Pittsburgh power. Uh, if you, you need OPS or max mileage, give us a call, let them know that, uh, this is where you heard about them. Um, we got some trucks open. So, um, you know, you guys, uh, go to drive for blue ribbon. If you want to, if you want to learn how to survive what's coming and it's coming, uh, it's already here. Um, and we'll still be here after the smoke clears. So if you want to learn how to do this in a safe way, without risk, give us a call. Uh, be ready to work because, unfortunately, we got to work harder now for half the money. That's pretty much where we're at right now. Uh, but we're still profitable. So, well, Scott, I appreciate you coming over and, and, and sharing this with us. I think this is going to be a popular episode. Well, thank you for and, having uh, me. Check us out at blueribbonlogistics.com. And uh, Larry should be back next week. So we'll see y'all next time. Everybody be good. Be safe. We'll see you next time. Take care.